So yesterday was 4th April and as we know, it's a very special day in the ashram life. Mother has said it is the New Year day for the ashram. So it's very interesting that why she has used the word New Year. Uh, often New Year is to do with some beginning and one may ask, where was the ashram at that point of time on 4th April 1910? And the answer would be it was in the heart of Shirobindo. Because uh, very beautifully there is a nice conversation between Shirobindo's wife Nilanli Devi and Shirobindo's sister in Shillong. The two were sitting on a hillock. Shillong is a small hill. It's a beautiful place. You can look down on the different layers of the city. When they are lit up, it's a very beautiful sight. And... Uh, Suddenly, Shobindo's sister remarked, Oh, what a beautiful city. And Milanli Devi said, Ah, you don't know the city that dwells in the heart of your brother. It's far more beautiful than any of these cities. So this is what Shobindo was carrying. When we read the typical descriptions, almost all biographies, they describe just outer events because quite naturally, uh, inner events are not normally visible. So it is known, for example, that Shurbindo was in Lal Bajar and this detail is described at great length and they were having an animated discussion because someone had come and told that the police will soon be coming. And Shurbindo kept listening and suddenly he got an Adesh go to Chandanagar. Of course, one and a half months back, someone had come and told him uh, almost as a prophecy, but the, he was not a prophet, but someone who was in the know-how of the government that they are planning to come and arrest you and do some big thing. And Shobindo said that, well, uh, I have nothing to worry because God protects me. And that's why when Shobindo is, you know, it's when even in the jail he had this experience that this protection goes on because there is a wisdom behind it. So he said, God protects me. And then he gets an Adesh, he goes to Chandanagar, from where he gets another Adesh subsequently, and then he comes to Pondicherry. There is another very interesting fact about it, which often is either not mentioned or mentioned in a very different way, that Shurbindo had assumed a name. So very often people ask that, why did Shurbindo assume a name? Well, the simple straight answer is, there is nothing wrong in assuming a name. Name is after all an assumption. Name is not something which one can assume 10 names, 50 names. There are a lot of great authors who write under assumed names. Pen names, it's a well-known thing. Shobindo at one point of time would sign letters as Kali. He was so identified with Kali. But the beauty is that the name that Shobindo had assumed is something very amazing. It just fits him very well at that point of time. And the name he had assumed was Jyotindranath. So I, I just simply loved the name he had assumed. <laughs> Jyotindranath, the lord of, the master of lights, all the lights. And um, another, there are a lot of interesting things around Shobindo's coming. But the most important, of course, is that the dream that he was carrying uh, as a blueprint for the future. We see this both in mother's, mother's case also in 1912. The mother writes in her diary notes, what is the plan for ahead? What does she want to do? And the same thing we see in Shobindo. And why he comes, again, questions were raised. Shobindo, interestingly, has answered this even before coming to Pondicherry. Later on, of course, he said, because uh, he had seen that India 
is assured its freedom and he had also seen the lines along with india will get the freedom all these were already foreseen but even before shirbindo comes the last um, testament which we see in karmyogin 26th march uh, 1910 Uh, subsequently also some articles did appear but they were written by sister nivedita in all likelihood but um, the last document in karmyogin where shubindu says i have actually noted it something very interesting because it's the last document that he writes in english the last one in bengali we'll read today but before coming shubindu writes either nationalism will purify itself learn a more sacred truth and command a diviner impulse he had seen that this will not work out this kind of a sentimentality emotionality uh, or a artificial intellectuality this is not work this kind of politics is foredoomed to failure so it has to purify itself or it will have to abandon utterly its old body and get itself a new sometimes i feel that now we are going through a phase when it is getting a new body because just two days back so, some things which are dropping from the lips of um, human beings is amazing like two days back i was uh, almost happily stunned when i heard a statement made by one of the politicians one of the ministers that the world is moving towards an increasing transparency now this is a typically spiritual language of course this followed the panama papers nothing can remain hidden nothing can remain in wraps whatever be the names big names small names everything is coming to light so the the observation made uh, obviously not in that sense perhaps with that degree of consciousness as you know one would expect but at least that the world is moving towards an increasing transparency and nothing can remain hidden it's something so remarkable so he says it must get a new body and shobhin that four scene that this kind of a movement had done its work it was necessary to awaken india awaken as we read last time to the sense of india as mother all this he had done but the rest would not go this way something else had to come up and that's why when people ask that why is it that um, those patriots that we saw during the freedom struggle we don't see them now this is the reason that kind of an emotional patriotism is bound to go away but what will come in its wake will be something much deeper higher and truer it won't be that kind of an emotional fervor with which people went around you know uh, we can't even imagine what what it would have been and then he forces it the pressure of events seems to be pointing in a latter direction which means that the old kind of a uh, nationalism is bound to die and a new one will arise which will be more spiritual in its uh, content and in its consciousness so obviously uh, that's one thing and the second thing which he writes is in fact the next para which with which he ends it he speaks about the command of course we know the command which he has said go to chandanagar this is a different kind of a command and he said by then i was used to Uh, i this voice was very familiar to me i knew this voice and of course we know this voice sri krishna's voice which came to him right when he was in jail and he says it was a very familiar boy, voice but he also says that something the voice came and told me abandon that you may possess tin tak tin bunjita of the ishupnishad 
every step taken in the light of a lower wisdom will fail until the truth is driven home so there is a light which reason gives and there is an inferior kind of wisdom but obviously that is not bound to succeed it is bound to fail and he didn't want to repeat the old fiasco this he sees several times even in his letter to barinda in 1920 when barinda says that you know he speaks about motilal roy forming a sangha and he says a sangha has to be formed but it should not turn into a collective ego and he points out the defects of previous communes because um, spiritual communes this is not the first time there are several times humanity has experimented with spiritual communes one of the most successful spiritual commune initially which also failed was the khalsa panth shivendra speaks of it it was the first effort at a spiritualized society in a big way but all these communes then there was there were monasteries we know about buddha's famous saying sangham sharanam gachami buddham sharanam gachami dharmam sharanam gachami so there have been several uh, even in uh, christian uh, mysticism there have been attempts to form a brotherhood or a commune but it fails it fails because it begins to feel and that should be the points in a letter to barin that why motilal roy's commune will fail because he believes that this is the only commune and this is the only center all other things are at a circumference this is a very fatal error the moment one begins to feel this is the only center or this is the one place from where everything else is periphery or secondary or even false or is at the circumference because in life divine when shubindu speaks about the gnostic life divine life he says that there will be many islands which will spring up of the new life islands literally there will be many places where this attempt at a new creation and collective living will come up of course they would be rooted in a basic truth so the work that was begun at dakhineshwar is far from finished it is not even understood so what can we say of shirbindo i mean when shirbindo writes that time in 1910 that it is not even understood a less discreet revelation prepares a more concrete force manifests but where it comes when it comes none knoweth so this is one of the last writings of shirbindo before he takes a departure and obviously this was the dream that he was carrying within his uh, heart this is a very beautiful dream of a new world a new creation uh, so very often when we read the details of shirbindo's life we miss out on this there is a lot of time and energy spent on Uh, what was the name of the shape and uh, sometimes i have seen even um, like a religion sometimes questions are asked to children in some places okay name the ship with which shirbindo traveled it's okay <laughs> it doesn't matter <laughs> probably shirbindo if he was asked he would say i don't remember at times he has said that well it's long back but what is important is what was it he was carrying in his heart the unmanifest portion which he manifests because that is the legacy that shirbindo has given to all of us a dream to fulfill and this dream is not new to earth it's implanted in the heart of earth that's why however much mankind may uh, try to escape it cannot evade one thing because we are programmed for it and that is yoga and to that yoga we may use the word collective yoga 
so collective yoga is something which shubhendra speaks about very uh, it's one of the very important aspect of shubhendra's yoga and he speaks about it even later in 1918 in one of his writings uh, jagannath rath the chariot of jagannath he he says the root of the word samaj he says there up till now the collectivities are uh, formed along a common effort so sam dhatu means together and ajati or aj means to go to get to move in a particular way so when people come together and move for getting their things then it becomes a samaj so they are different people they are going towards their own goals and in the process they learn to find a kind of working relationship so that's samaj and that's not what the divine wants divine has some other plans so he says the chari- true chariot of jagannath is not samaj the true meaning of it but commune because in commune there is a common property common everything but because everything belongs to the lord it's the extension of isha upanishad that nothing belongs to you and therefore everything belongs to you by default because it belongs to the divine solely to the divine so with that dream he comes which repeatedly we see shobindo manifesting here and uh, of course because of the mother this dream begins to realize itself but there is another writing the last in his bengali writings now what we read just now was last bit of english writings the last bengali writing appears in february 1910 so these writings indicate what was going on in shubindo's inside him because uh, it's amazing we talk about buddha's renunciation we talk about rama's renunciation both are powerful examples of renunciation buddha renounces a kingdom and a family for the in search of nirvana a way out of suffering death etc rama renounces a kingdom to set the highest and noblest ideals for mankind but what does shirvindo renounce for because shirvindo has already renounced you know he was in baroda doing so well he has renounced that job and come for a meager pay salary which dwindles into nothing so his life even in kolkata was lived like a renunciate he has already received the highest experiences of yoga like buddha he doesn't have to go out any more to have the experience of nirvana or vasudevam sarvamiti and yet he renounces not only name and fame and the glory that the world can give the wealth the family everything but he also renounces all his spiritual experiences mother speaks of it much later because mother also did the same she says i understood what is meant in india by renouncing the spiritual experiences we crave for spiritual experiences almost like greedy people but here are here is a much greater truth renouncing spiritual experiences so that something still higher can build it's there in the vedic literature it is spoken of and he renounces those experiences and he writes to barin whatever i have had whatever god has shown me and given me so far is nothing but a preparation so why does he renounce that because there is something still greater something still higher to be done and that is the dream which he carries on from the past into the future so last time we read about unity and how the political system the divisions which shubindo had foreseen and how he says that we should build a image 
of mother india we should rever her we should worship her see her as a living goddess this is the way to create unity he had also foreseen the errors of different kind so one of these is with regard to socialism the socialist errs in trying to establish fraternity on equality so the socialist says all are equal but it is preached as a dogma as a doctrine of faith but the basis of equality has to be fraternity if that is not there men for long will not treat each other as equal all those ills and evils will come in where some people will be more powerful some will become vip some will become more important and some will become less so this is bound to occur if fraternity is not there but equality without fraternity cannot last and it will be destroyed by dissension quarrels and inordinate greed for power ambition will come in so there will be that famous saying that well all are equal but some are more equal so this is bound to come unless it is built on the basis of fraternity first we must have complete fraternity and then only complete equality the brotherly feeling is an outward condition if we all remain full of brotherly feeling have one common property one common good and one common effort that is fraternity and it's not only human beings human beings mess it up bees practice fraternity they have one common pr- property even though they have those uh, it's very beautiful those houses made of beeswax and they are all engaged in a common labor uh, it's very interesting the life of bees they are extremely social and they are social to an extent their communication is so interesting that by the sound and the dance they communicate everything to all the others so for example if a bee finds a uh, look at the sense of unity and fraternity and let's compare it with human behavior so if a bee finds that there is there are flowers with pollen which can actually be used for honey so she will not greedily go grab it and save in some place for herself she will come back and tell the other bees where it is so how does it tell it has not gone through any you know kindergarten higher secondary nothing so it is taught by mother nature so first it will make sound and then it will dance now its dance will indicate not only how far it is like if it dances in a certain way it is within 50 meters if it dances in another way it is about 150 meters if it dances in a certain direction then based on the sun the angle is shown that go 30 degrees in that direction this much distance and you will find the flower so but we human beings if we find something we'll make sure others don't know it in fact we'll misguide them no no there there is nothing there but look at bees <laughs> and then they will all go even they are united you know when they are tampered with actually bees don't sting out of any bad will but it's a defense mechanism so one bee starts and it can sting only once because after it sting it dies it's you know it cannot survive so it can sting once but other bees will come to supplement it and that's how you know the bees build up so if you interfere with their home then they will sting otherwise they don't do anything they are very nice after all they Uh, i mean when shubhendu speaks about the divine life he compares it to honeycomb 
and we see the same thing in matri uh, mandir so in bees probably nature has first time experimented at a collective life of a true kind fraternity equality they don't say i have done more labor so there is the queen bee with whom they are all connected so if we could live with that feeling there is one mother and we are all connected so it'll be so nice there is only one queen bee and there are the workers so these workers will go and bring everything then it becomes common property and then they will all all use it many generations of bees can live together they don't fight with each other so it's so interesting that these uh, imprints are there in nature uh, similar thing we see in the life of dolphins dolphins go one step further bees form a sense of fraternity within their family but dolphins will have a fraternal feeling even towards other species so they are known to befriend human beings there was a very nice video the other day that how a dog fell into a you know um, river and the dolphin actually rescues the dog and when it leaves the dog back to the boat how it just twists and turns is very happy it can communicate thank you it also gives you warning a dolphin if it attacks you it will come straight from front but if it loves you it will come from behind but human beings if they attack you they will come from behind <laughs> with a dagger they will uh, but if they love you they will make a big show see how much i love you they will come from front dolphins are much better uh, intellectually they are closest to human beings next to human beings if there is any species probably it's not the apes but the dolphins uh, given their so already nature has tried to experiment even in plants we know about eucalyptus so um the mother spoke of when certain eucalyptus trees have had fallen and one was standing and then it also fell so when the sadhak reported to the mother she said yes yes he was very unhappy they live in families they don't they don't like to live alone whereas roses they have pride of being elite so she said roses don't like when you put them with other flowers they're not happy at all they feel that you know chhotto uh, log i <laughs> my pride has come down so in plants you know it's a kind of individuality of a certain kind that i am someone special <laughs> so in plants creation also in animal creation experiments of nature has gone on and now this has to be replicated at a human level and we know that this um, the first time in modern times this uh, cry for fraternity went abroad was in the french revolution so they spoke about equality liberty and amity the word used was amity but amity actually if we go into the heart of the meaning a feeling a good feeling it's only possible if there is the sense of brotherhood so shubindu used the word fraternity so this was the biggest revolutionary change which came before that there was monarchy and we you know how with the french revolution monarchy went away because people were really suffering a lot but that's from where the word fraternity comes the external condition is based on the inner state love for the brother infuses life into fraternity and makes it real this is like reading for us today shirvindra is telling us in the ashram context because we are meant to be examples of fraternity so love for the brother infuses life into it if it is just a mechanical thing it it's not something living and real 
there must be a basis even for that brotherly love we are children of one mother i think sometimes shubindo's half lines are so powerful they are worth you know i mean this half a line is worth meditating all one's life we are children of one mother when mother was asked what is the way to make humanity one so she didn't say have an interreligious meeting call for a dialogue on ndtv 24/7 of you know secularist and religionist nothing she said just one small sentence how will how can humanity become one mother says by becoming conscious of its origin if you become conscious of the origin we all come from the same origin and even logically it's so true everything in our body comes from one cell this cell comes from parent cell now the moment we accept it then we go backward and backward so where do we all come from from that common source we may call it anything tao or parbrahman god ishwar it doesn't matter but from one source the moment we realize it we become united but problem is we add that uh, there is only one god and that is my god then there is a problem so we are children of one mother compatriots this feeling can provide the basis for a kind of brotherly love though this feeling becomes a basis of political unity social unity cannot be achieved in this way here he is using the word mother in the sense of mother india so he says this can create political unity that we are all children of one mother let's come together let's have the common interest of our mother in our hearts but he says social unity this is not enough for that we have to go still deeper just as we all have to overpass our own mothers in order to worship the mother of our compatriots in the same way we have to transcend and realize the universal mother so next step is that yes we are children of one mother in whatever country we are but we are also children of the universal mother and this whole creation everything the ant and bird and beast and flower and the river and everything mountains they are all children of the same mother and it can be so liberating that story of shri ramakrishna which mother recounts i have not read it anywhere but mother recounts it must be true that how when he was bit by a cobra shri ramakrishna came out of his trance and suddenly brushed the hand and said what mother kali again you have come mother kali and nothing happened to him of course as i say this should go with a disclaimer please don't try it this is <laughs> done by experts so it's not that if a cobra bites god forbid or even a ant bites us and we say mother kali but we are wondering maybe enough alexis may take place what's wrong in calling you know doctor so <laughs> then it doesn't work but well it's possible that we can see behind every appearance the face of the universal mother and then everything changes we have to transcend the partial shakti in order to reach the shakti in her completeness so each nation is a partial shakti but to discover the complete shakti all of them must come together but 
So this leads to another problem that, okay, then internationalism is the highest truth. Nationalism has to be dropped out. But Shurabindu doesn't say that. He says something else. But just as in our adoration of Mother India, though we overpass our physical mother, yet we do not forget her. In the same way, in our adoration of the universal mother, we shall transcend Mother India and not forget her. She too is Kali. She too is the mother. So how beautifully in such a simple way Shubhindu gives us such solutions for such complex uh, problems. But I think we want complex solutions. <laughs> simple solutions sound, oh this we all know. But we never apply it. Only religion provides a basis for fraternity. All the religions say we are one. Division is born of ignorance and jealousy. It's interesting Shubhindu uses the word jealousy. Competition, strife, wanting to be one up, to possess. Love is the central teaching of all religions. Our religion also says we are all one. The dividing intellect is a sign of ignorance. The sage should look on all with an equal eye and perceive the one soul, one Narayan, equally established in everyone. And this answers another debate that is going on. And it's at one level such a silly debate. Should women enter a temple or not? In 21st century we are debating this that should women enter a Temple or not sounds very archaic, but it's going on. And hundred years back, Shobindo answers it in such a simple, beautiful way through the essays in the Gita. That means it was answered actually 5,000 years back. The equal divine presence in all of us makes no other preliminary condition if once this integral self-giving has been made in faith and in sincerity... All have access to this gate. All can enter into this temple. Long back, the Gita speaks of it. Our mundane distinctions disappear in the mansion of the all-lover. Mundane distinctions. What time have you come? Where is your pass? Why have you? All these are distinctions which have a practical utility, but they disappear in the mansion of the all-lover. In the house of God, there is no such. These should be those words and write from the Gita. There the virtuous man is not preferred, nor the sinner shut out from the presence. Together by this road, the Brahmin pure of life and exact in observance of the law, not just a Brahmin by birth, but somebody who is truly leading a life of purity and chastity. And the outcast born from a womb of sin and sorrow and rejected of men. The Gita uses the word Papa Yonihi. Can travel and find an equal and open access to the supreme liberation and the highest dwelling in the eternal. All can have access. When they come to the Lord, they are all the same. That is something very beautiful about the ashram life, this Deep-rooted sense of equality. No middlemen. Directly we can go approach in our own way, each one. In the dining room, nobody asks, what is our jati, what is our gender? No, no, this is a separate place. Everybody can, you know, sit together and eat. Nobody knows. It's something amazing. 
man and woman find their equal right before god the mother literally translated it into practice that the women here we know are trained at least equal if not more than men there used to be a joke at some point of time famous in the ashram circle that in shanti niketan if a boy goes he becomes feminine and in ashram if a woman comes she becomes masculine capable of beating a man black and blue women here are very strong which is something very nice in the ashram context women are not only free but very strong and the mother has instilled that spirit they are not afraid they know how to manage their life man and woman find their equal right before god for the divine spirit is no respecter of persons or of social distinctions and restrictions we may do that but the divine presence is no respecter all can go straight to him without intermediary or shackling condition there is only one thing if she is the divine teacher even a man of very evil conduct turns to me with a soul and entire love he must be regarded as a saint not only that he goes to what extent for the settled will of endeavor in him is a right and complete will swiftly he becomes a soul of righteousness and obtains eternal peace so this is the uh, sense which shobindo tries to instill right even before coming to pondicherry universal come love comes from this equality full of devotion when we love the divine then we love all that's why the sign of the bhakta you know it's not that how many hours one stands spends in meditation how often one goes to ashram how often one has never gone out of the ashram etc etc there is one sign maitri karuna evascha one of the signs is that the person is always full of love friendship good will towards all creatures there is another very interesting sign which the gita gives of the bhakta it gives certain signs it's not that the person becomes ecstatic starts dancing jumping no it says that he who is not agitated by the world and he from whom the world is not agitated so when i had read this i used to wonder <laughs> i can understand that you can conquer your own agitation from the world that is something we can conquer you know we we can try and practice we don't get agitated so this part if bhakta was limited to this this is possible but he from whom the world is not agitated how do you practice this because he loves the lord he radiates that love because of that love everybody feels closeness benevolence friendliness because of that presence and sweetness of the divine so shivinda says that he'll perceive the one goal narayana and will be full of devotion but this knowledge which is the highest goal of humanity will spread everywhere only at the final stage of our journey humanity has to go through many many things before it can arrive at that stage meanwhile we have to realize it partially within and without in the family society country in every being so till we reach at that so look at the integrality of shirbindo he doesn't abandon anything everything is taken up and transmuted even when shirbindo makes it similar renunciation like buddha and people often ask buddha left his family so 
Sometimes I ask, how do you know? He says, it is part of history. What is history? That he walked out of his house. Now walking out of the house is not abandonment when you love from your depths. Your love can transcend space and time. Love of Savitri, love of Rama, love of Krishna for Radha. Radha Krishna's love, it's very interesting that uh, Radha is cursed by Sudama because you know she is very close to Krishna and Sudama also wants to be very close to Krishna. So he says, 100 years you will be separated from Krishna. So Radha says, no problem, my love will not vary. 100 years later, after Mahabharata's war is over and everything, Radha and Krishna come together again for the last 12 years of their life. What an amazing love. Can we imagine 100 years? <laughs> I mean 100 years to sustain that intensity without seeing, without even mobile those days. Without emails, without message, without receiving anything, any gifts, nothing. And yet to continue to love with the same intensity. So this is not abandonment. Krishna and Radha did not abandon each other. They loved so deeply that it didn't matter to them. So we see that Shurvindu comes away and obviously Mrinali Devi is left behind. We don't know when he had met her last, obviously in 1910 sometime. But in 19, till 1918, he has not met her. Yet when Mrinali Devi passes away, there is a teardrop in Shurvindu's eye. It's not killing of feelings, it's transmuting them. Nalnida has captured it very beautifully in a very lovely essay, teardrop in the eyes of the divine. Perfect identification with earth and men. And how beautifully he writes to uh, his father-in-law. God has seen to it to strike me with the one sorrow to which I am still not immune. What does it mean if we... <laughs> And Shivinda is not saying anything for effect. One sorrow which still can touch my heart. And then he says that, do whatever Mrinaldi wanted, but can you send me any of her photograph of books, books, with her signature? I don't have anything of hers with me. Imagine the Lord is wanting something of Mrinaldi Devi. How are we to understand this? Unless we experience a drop of that love. So his love for India, his love for the Divine Mother, his love for humanity does not cancel even his love for his earthly wife, but fulfills each. That's why we see in Savitri, toward the end, a marvelous line, Heaven's love fulfills, but cancels not our earths. It, in his own life we see it, even with the Mother, Divine Mother, how long Andri was away. But when he comes, how the mother waits for him. She personally goes and sees in Golkund everything is kept correctly and rightly. And when he doesn't come at the appointed time, she sends Pavitra, Pavitra da, go and see if any telegram has come. And yes, there was a telegram that there is a delay. How to understand this Leela? Because this is not a yoga of detachment. And repeatedly mother says, even toward the end, Everybody, all of them, they end up talking about renunciation, detachment, asceticism. How long both Shirvinda and myself have been trying to instill that this is not a yoga. We have to leave the ordinary way of life. 
but that is not the same as detachment it is detachment from our ego and desire if you like but it's not detachment from ego and desire but abandonment but not of uh, i mean how beautifully he says that all these things man is always endeavoring to give an enduring form to fraternity by creating family clan society country and binding them firmly by laws and scriptures up till now that effect has failed all past efforts we all know have turned into something else the basis exists and so does the form as we saw one example of the bees the basis exists it is there in the dreams of nature but what is needed is some inexhaustible force which will preserve the life of fraternity so that the basis remains unimpaired and the form becomes everlasting or is continually renewed and then he ends with a very powerful similar way that we see in the english writing god has not yet manifested that force this 1910 after four years or two years three i think 1913 the mother would write the force is here but in 1910 shobindo is writing god has not yet manifested that force he has come down as rama krishna chaitanya rama krishna and is preparing to transform transform what the selfish heart of man into what into a fit receptacle of love this is the fundamental transformation preparing to transform the selfish heart of man into a fit receptacle of love how far is that day when he shall descend again and make this earth a paradise by spreading eternal love and bliss and implanting it in the heart of man this was february 1910 and the day was just about a month and a half far 4th april shobindo came to pondicherry with this dream when he saw that this is what is going to happen selfish heart of man must be transformed into a receptacle of love and it cannot be done till we love the divine actually it is not possible if we just say okay let's love men it won't be possible because the ego will always come in the play but if we love the divine it's possible that we can end up loving humanity in a more perfect way we learned with just this small little writing which we won't read today but it's a very interesting writing lesser known writings of nolnida not part of his collected works it's a bangla rachna and it was translated in english but now it has again vanished from shabda i have a soft copy for those who want it and the writing is to love man manasir bhajan and he says it's more difficult to love man than to love god why because when we love man ego comes in god doesn't uh, you know react to our anger with anger so even if he is silent you can't continue but man reacts with anger to anger <laughs> ego comes in desire comes in physicality gets involved so then he says there are three stages first is ignorant love of man and this is written by nallida much much later second is love of god to the exclusion of man if needed third is return to love man but with the divine love at your center these are the three steps 
he says in this practice to love man ignorantly messes up the life to love god so that first we know how to love god teaches us how to love and fills our heart with love and then to love man but in a true way unselfish way divine way so we'll stop here uh, next week we'll have a video on dance hopefully indian dance